looking at the Word of God this morning. We're in Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Beginning of verse 40, it says, Now when Jesus returned, that's from the other side of the lake, the crowd welcomed him, and they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all of her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. And she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? All denied it. Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceived that power had gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all of the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said to him, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when they came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and James and John and the father and the mother of the child, and all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he said, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once, and he directed that something should be given to her to eat, and her parents were amazed. But he charged them to tell no one what had happened. You ever have a moment where you would just like to suddenly and conveniently disappear? You ever have one of those moments? I had one this week. Uh, we uh, were on a conference call, uh, several of the staff members uh, looking at some uh, information this week, and uh, so it was one of those Zoom calls, and uh, I set it up and all that, and I had it ready and going, and Colby was in the office with me, and Darla were in, in the office with me, and uh, I realized that they didn't really need to see me, and so I turned the camera off, and so they didn't see me, and so that we, you know, I didn't need to be on all that stuff. And so the presentation is going on and on and on. And uh, I decided that I would make a comment about something that the presenter was wearing. I said, Colby, check out what he's wearing. What is he doing wearing that? Uh, to which I suddenly heard over the presentation with all the other churches that were listening, uh, Tim, you are unmuted, and we hear what you're saying. <laughs> In that moment, I just wanted to disappear just for a moment, suddenly, conveniently be gone. 
uh, in that moment. I've also refreshed my Zoom skills uh, to make sure to remember not just the camera, but also uh, the microphone. Our passage this morning at the heart of the passage has one of those moments where, where the, the woman in this passage, I, I think in that moment, probably wanted to suddenly and conveniently disappear. When Jesus calls out to everyone in earshot and says, Who touched me? And she is the person in that crowd that knows that she's the answer to that question. In that moment when Jesus stops everything and says, Who is the person who touched me? She, she wanted to absolutely disappear. But that's not what happens in the story. But let's back up uh, for a moment because really this is a story uh, about uh, a father's daughter. This is the story about a father's daughter. Hey, in fact, as we kind of back up to the beginning of the passage, what we have is a father who has a 12-year-old daughter, his only daughter who is sick. We don't know exactly how long she has been sick, but what we know is that the moment that Jesus comes back across the Sea of Galilee, after having gone over to the other side and had the encounter with a person who used to be demon-possessed, and as soon as he comes back, this man is right there to see Jesus. Now, I don't know whether the daughter was sick before Jesus left. I don't know how much time he had spent pacing back and forth on the seashore. I don't know if he knew for sure that Jesus was coming back. But he knew that if Jesus ever set foot on that sand again, he was going to see Jesus about his daughter. Because his only daughter, his precious daughter, was not just sick, but it tells us that she was about to die. Jesus does return. And just as we can see inside of his heart and inside of his mind, the man comes to Jesus and says, you've got to come and see my daughter. She is about to die. And so Jesus heads that direction. Now, of course, the man wasn't the only person that was waiting to see Jesus. Again, on this side of the Galilee, it was everyone every day to see how close they could get to Jesus. And so you could almost see Jesus shuffling along with this crowd of people, so many people that he was hemmed in and could hardly move along. But they are heading in the right direction. They are heading to the house of this man so that Jesus can heal his daughter, his only daughter, his precious daughter who is sick and at the point of death. But even as they are moving along in this moment, there is an interruption. There is an interruption. This man, his heart is beginning to have some hope that Jesus is going to be able to be there to heal his daughter. He is going to be there in time. His daughter is going to be saved. His daughter is going to be healed. His daughter is going to be rescued. They are moving in the right direction, and then suddenly there is an interruption. Anybody here impatient? No, raise your hand right now. No, anybody here impatient? I've shared with you that I lack the chill gene. I, I just do. I, 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 I want things to happen right away. I, I live with that in traffic. This week, there was a person going through the intersection in front of me that I promise you, someone had offered them a million dollars if they could drive through this intersection so slowly that only one car would make it through the light. That's the only explanation for how slow this car was moving. They were moving so slow that I think they parked halfway through the intersection just to make sure they got the cash. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me because I'm impatient. Imagine 
this man whose daughter is dying. The movement, Jesus is heading that way, and then any reason for Jesus to stop is heartbreaking. And the reason Jesus stops is he asks this question, who touched me? Who cares? Who cares? What does it matter? My daughter is dying. Why are we stopping to ask, who touched me? It's almost like there are your kids in the back seat of the car. He touched me. What, what difference does this make? And in fact, Peter, one of the disciples, says, Jesus, are you, I don't think he said, are you crazy? But he was thinking it like you're being jostled. You're being pushed around. It's in, people are bumping into you all of the time. How, how can you ask this question? It's, 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 it's a senseless question. And this man is like, we don't have time for this. My daughter is dying. And then when he finds out that the reason why they're stopped is not just this silly interruption, but it's because of this woman. We're stopping for this woman? And then as the story begins to unfold, he's like, we're stopping for this woman and this issue? We're stopping for this? And then the interruption has its own interruption. Because somebody comes from the house. Might want to get that. Some, somebody comes from the house. Somebody comes from the house and says, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. It's too late. It's too late. I wonder a little bit about who brought this message. Was it a family member? Was it a, was it a dear friend? Or was it a nosy neighbor who wanted to be the first person to make the announcement? You ever have any nosy neighbors? They just want to be the first person to blurt it out? I don't know. But Jesus says it's not too late. It's not too late. When you think it's too late, Jesus says, it is not too late. And so he goes on to the house. It tells us that when Jesus gets to the house, he says, don't worry, she's not dead, she's sleeping. And the response from the people who have been at the house, they laughed at Jesus. They laughed at Jesus. What a ridiculous thing to say. But Jesus, true to his word, speaks to this dear little one and says, Arise, get up, and immediately she does. You know, the thing about it is, is that in preparing this morning, uh, preparing for this morning, there's a real challenge. These two stories are so significant. The father and his daughter, the woman with her medical needs, all of those things, they're such big stories that the temptation that I have is to pull the two of them apart and say, let's focus on this story this week and this story the next week. But that's not the way that it comes to us. In fact, the Word of God has intentionally and it's told in multiple of the Gospels. Every single time, they're intertwined between the two. Because the Word of God tells us that you have to see how Jesus responds 
in both of these cases together. The contrast, the, 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 the stories are so connected. We have to see them together. Well, we really could spend an awful lot of time on this, but I, I want you to just notice a handful of things this morning. The first thing that I want you to see is that Jesus responds to a father's love. I want you to see that Jesus responds to a father's love. He would do anything for his daughter. In fact, the passage tells us that he's a synagogue ruler. It kind of gives us the impression that he, he is kind of somebody. He, he has resources. He has importance. If you were to rank the most important people in town, he would be at the top of that list. And so... This guy's used to getting what he wants. He's used to having the resources that he needs to accomplish his purposes. And so here, when the most important thing in his life is his daughter and her health, he is going to stop at nothing other than to provide for her care. And so there is this tension. I have all of this stuff, but it's not enough. And so he will tear down everything to get to Jesus, the one person that maybe has hope for him. He, he will climb any mountain. He, he will do anything for his daughter. Dads, moms, you, you understand that concept? You have lived out that concept. You would crawl over hot burning coals if it would make a difference in your kid's life. And Jesus sees that heart and knows that heart. This girl is blessed to have a dad who cares for her so much and so deeply. Jesus responds to the Father's love. But in the middle of this is the woman. She's not 12 years old. She's not a little girl. In fact, she has been dealing with this malady. She has been dealing with this problem for 12 years, the same amount of time as this little girl's been alive. But we don't know all of the medical details in this passage of Scripture, but, but what is clear from this passage of Scripture is that she has been dealing with long-term gynecological distress. And it has disrupted every single part of her life. Similar to how we've looked at some other people in the text, she is isolated, she is alone, it's probably cost her proximity to her family because the laws and the culture of that day says that if you're dealing with this, you need to be away from everybody because we don't want to be close to you and we want to be with you. Truth is that sometimes a woman like this might fall through the cracks all the way down that the only people that would pay attention to her would be someone who could take advantage of her. But this woman's distress... And even those folks weren't interested in her life. She had fallen all the way down. She had some resources, but they were completely spent trying to find help and probably being taken advantage of. And so this distress... This private pain that she deals with is probably the reason why she was trying to sneak up on Jesus. It's not the kind of problem that, that, that you'll want to raise your hand in Sunday school this morning and say, let me describe to you this issue that I'm dealing with. And so probably it left her isolated. And as you take a look, there's no one there advocating for her. 
There's no one there climbing mountains, crawling over hot coals. There's no one there that is looking after her. I want you to know that Jesus responds to a father's love. And that Jesus extends a father's love. Because to this woman, isolated and left alone and fallen all the way through the cracks and having to deal with all of this distress for all of these years, Jesus stops and looks at her. He says, daughter, daughter. This person who had no one to advocate for her is now the daughter to the king. Daughter. Do you know how many times Jesus uses this term in the Gospels? Once. Once. To this person who had no one to advocate for her, Jesus says, Daughter. Your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. Go in peace. Jesus responds to a father's love, and he provides a father's love. Sometimes where it's never been known before. I also want you to know that Jesus calls for a public witness. Jesus calls for a public witness. This is an interesting spot here in the passage because if we remember, probably because of the privacy, probably because of the embarrassment, probably because of the, of the social situation of this woman is, she didn't make an appointment with Jesus. She didn't say over the crowd, hey, I think my need's more important than everybody else's. Why don't you come to my house and heal me? No. She comes behind him and just tries to reach out and just touch something that has touched Jesus. That's as close as she dares to come. That is as close as she dares to expose herself, to just come close to something that's been close to Jesus. And she wants to do it quietly without anybody else noticing which makes it really strange when Jesus stops the parade and calls out loud, Who touched me? The passage tells us that she was immediately healed the moment she touched his garment. I don't know what was spinning through her mind. We can try to put ourselves in, in her place where at first when he says, who touched me? She must say, yeah, I wonder who that was. <laughs> like, oh, that's me. But something inside of her knew immediately that she had been healed. It didn't take her long to realize that when Jesus was calling out, who touched me? It was her. And all she wanted was to be unseen, unnoticed. And Jesus calls her front 
and send her. The last thing that she wanted was to be noticed and seen and the attention drawn. But he calls her. He calls her because there are some things in our life that get sealed and real when they become public. It's part of the reason we do baptisms. Baptism isn't the point in which you become a believer in Christ, but it is something about that public announcement, that public sharing, that public celebration that seals that in your life and says, this is true and I will never forget it. It becomes real when it becomes public. How I think for this woman, Jesus required this public thing because in part she needed more than just physical healing. She needed to be called daughter. She needed to know that after all of these years of being unseen and unnoticed that she was seen and noticed and that she was a daughter to the king. She needed to know that what happened was not magic. It was not something, it wasn't Jesus' garment that healed her. It was Jesus. And one other thing, that crowd, all of those people in that village that had written her off, they all needed to know that she is not the person she used to be anymore. However you saw her, whatever you thought of her, however you had treated her before, she is not that person anymore. And that village needed to hear that out loud. And it needed to be public. Which is kind of strange, because Jesus calls for public witness and... And he calls for quiet celebration. When he raises Jairus' daughter back to life, he says two things. Get her something to eat and don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. What? <laughs> this is my daughter. She used to be dead. Now, I have a feeling the secret was going to get out. Probably the next day of school when she showed up for school. Because remember, the whole town is laughing and saying, she's not sleeping, she is dead. I mean, the word is going to get out. Plus, it's in the Bible, so somebody told somebody. But in that moment, but in that moment, Jesus says, this is for you. This is for you. This is not to be made a spectacle of. This doesn't belong to the village. This belongs to you, and it's yours, and it's not for everybody else. I'm not wise enough to know the difference between those two stories. To be honest, I would have flipped those two stories. The resurrection, I would have told everybody about. The gynecological problem, it's okay, you can sit on that one, you don't have to tell anybody about it. I don't know. But Jesus called this woman and said, this needs to be public. And so she spoke it out loud. And to the family, at least for a little while, this is yours. It's not a spectacle. 
is yours, and it belongs to you. Jesus calls for public witness, and he calls for quiet celebration. And then, Jesus heals because of faith. Jesus heals because of faith. This woman, who knows what she had heard, who knows what stories had been around? Who knows whether she saw some of the other women that were with Jesus? And so she began to understand that this man understood and cared for everyone. Maybe she heard some of the other wonderful, powerful healing stories. But she had gone to every doctor she could find, spent every penny that she could spend. And she says, I'm going to try Jesus. I'm going to try Jesus. I'm going to risk faith. And I'm going to work my way through that crowd. No matter what anybody says, no matter what anyone does to me, I'm going to get as close to Jesus as I can get. Because she had faith that Jesus was it. Jesus says, I have felt power leave from me. And he says to her, your faith, your belief, your trust, your risk has made you well. But then as they go to Jairus' house, Jesus says, she's going to be okay. And the room laughs. If anyone, if you ever made a statement of confidence and people laugh, it's not a good thing. If you announce that one day I'm going to be President of the United States and everybody in the room laughs, it's not a statement of faith. I just want to interpret that for you. Not that I've been there, but that's, a, that, that's not a statement of faith. And in fact, Jesus says to the Father, just believe. Now the reason he says that is because I don't believe that he believed in that moment. He didn't have faith. He, he didn't have that. He felt that it was too late for God to do a work. But Jesus says just believe. I don't like LED light bulbs. Because they've ruined one of my favorite illustrations. The old incandescent light bulb. I don't know why. I was always fascinated with those little incandescent light bulbs. They, they got the shape of a light bulb. They look like an idea. You know what I'm talking about? And then all of a sudden they're working, and then they're not working. How, how do you check to see whether it's not working? What did you do? You picked it up. Well, first of all, if the light didn't go on, then that was kind of a hint. But, but you're like, well, what's wrong with this? You'd shake it. You'd shake it. You know what it is that you're looking for? There is a tiny piece of tungsten filament that if it is connected, the lights come on. It's tiny. It's of the lightest of weights. But if it's connected, the lights come on. 
It translates the power from the transformer and the lights come on. But if there is a break in that filament and it's no longer connected, it'll rattle, but it won't light up. Let me tell you, that's the faith that you need. You don't need a semi-truck worth of faith. You don't need, you don't need a boatload full of faith. You need a tungsten filament level faith that makes the connection to the one who doesn't. This woman took risk because of her faith. This father allowed Jesus to continue even when everyone else in town was laughing at him. but he had enough faith to let Jesus do a work in his life. You see, Jesus heals because of faith. And friends, and friends, he heals in spite of doubt. He does because it's not up to you, but it's to our gracious heavenly Father who chooses to intervene in our life. And if you will just connect in that tiniest way, with the tiniest faith, the Bible calls it mustard seed faith, then that connection will be made. And he will heal whether you've got all the faith in the world or whether you've been able to squeeze an ounce of faith from a pound of doubt. He heals. So what does this mean for our lives today? It means that He sees you. He sees you. Whatever it is that you're carrying, whatever it is that you're struggling with, He sees you. whether you're the most important person in town or whether you've been written off like you might as well be a leper. He sees you. And if you'll just reach out with that tiniest little filament of faith, He will do a work in your life. He will do a work in your life. I want to pray for you. If there's something in your life that you're supposed to make public today, if you're supposed to get baptized and you've never done that before, man, maybe today is the day that you need to be public and say, that's what I need to do. If you've never given your life to Him, you've never taken that risk of putting your whole life in His hands. Maybe that's what you're supposed to do today. Would you stand and would you respond? Your pastors are here. Our Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd be with your people, that they would not miss this moment of what you want to do in their lives. We pray this in your name. Amen.